0: Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is The Future of Work, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to shake up the status quo in your company's future and help your organization move in exciting new directions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham.
1: Welcome, welcome, welcome. If you want to run with the game changers, you're in the right place because this is where the best run. Let's see what the buzz is. I have a very detailed quote from a gentleman named Jim Cody on a, a post he made on LinkedIn a while ago. Let me read it slowly and see if we can figure out what we're going to be talking about today. I know, but I have to tell you, a self-directed work team, SDWT, self-directed work team, is a group of three to 15 people, usually employees in a company who combine different skills and talents to work without the usual managerial supervision toward a common purpose or goal. Business Week recently reported that self-directed work teams are on average thirty to fifty percent more productive than their conventional counterparts. So welcome to the future of work with game changers. That's exactly what we're going to be talking about today. Let me give you a little background more before I introduce my three esteemed panelists. The definition of work is changing in ways you might not expect. We know we have contingent workforce. We know we have seasonal workers. We have the gig economy. We have consultants and analysts. And we have full time workers. And we have workers who work remotely, like I do. Don't go to an office and we work digitally, if you will. So, what's happening to the old structures? If you have a steep, rigid work hierarchy in your company, it's not going to sustain your business in the dynamic digital economy. It's just not going to cut it anymore. So what is the answer? Let me go back to my opening quote. Self-organizing teams can have a surprisingly Positive impact on the things you're looking for: worker productivity, job satisfaction. But it goes even farther. It goes to enhancing customer experience, customer loyalty management, and even your business ecosystem. Yes, all of that and more. And probably motherhood and apple pie, or whatever we're going to add into the mix. It's good. So, are you ready for the future of work? I hope so, because our panel of experts is going to help us figure this all out. Let me tell you who's on. First up, I'm going to. Introducing a newcomer. His name is Rob Sebastian, managing partner. And Rob, you have to help me. Is this 19 Entertainment? I see an XIX. Am I saying 19?
2: You are absolutely saying that correctly.
1: I had a I feeling because I know Simon Fuller. I see, I see that all the time on TV. Thank you very much. We don't usually have the guest chime in this early, but I'm glad glad you helped me out there. I should have asked you before the show. And joining us are two returning panelists, Kai Girlish at SAP, Chief Futurist at the Innovation Center Network in Potsdam for SAP, and Upen Barve, the sponsor of the series. He's Director, Head of Customer Strategy and Experience, also at the Innovation Center Network at SAP. Welcome, gentlemen. And let's start out with Rob Sebastian, who's already, you've already heard his voice. He has sent us a one-word quote. Rob, I can't remember the last time anyone sent me a quote with just one word. And this is a really good one. It's from Keanu Reeves in the movie The Matrix. Let me give a little background. Neo, played by Keanu Reeves, believes that Morpheus... Lawrence Fishburne, an elusive figure considered to be the most dangerous man alive, can answer his question, what is the Matrix? I'll leave it there. And here is the quote. I don't know what part of the movie, but this is a good one. Whoa! It's W-H-O-A exclamation point. Rob, did I say that correctly? Did I put enough feeling into it?
2: You put a lot of feeling into it, and I think <laughs> that's, uh, that's why I love this word so much. I think that depending on how you say it, it can have... You know many different things. I, you know, it's one of those words that constantly reminds me that there's a lot of wisdom in simplicity. I.e., the idea that you can distill something down and yet have a, a you know, a huge impact. Um, you know, I want to be surprised. Um, you know, I want to feel thrilled. I want to be amazed, uh, astonished, shocked. And the word "woe" can mean all those things. I just happen to have had the fortune uh, to be able to work with Keanu on the Matrix, which is what I remember him saying that in. But then, if you dig a little deeper and you actually just go online, um, he says that in every movie he does, and each one has a different meaning, which I thought was phenomenal. And, you know, Keanu Reeves is the most underrated actor of my generation, uh, perhaps. Um, Perhaps. Very,
1: very interesting. I I love the (laughs) quote. Rob, I want you to relate it back. I I wish we could do a whole show on on your work with people like Keanu Reeves. It'd be fascinating. But we are here on a business show. My question is, let's relate this to we're talking about the future of work. So when I mentioned in my opening it's changed. You can't have the same old rigid structures you used to have. It's just not going to sustain a company in this digital age. So what part of whoa are we talking about? Is it the fact that the definition of work is changing? What I introduce is the self-directed self-managing teams. Where would you apply
2: that? Whoa, I'm still doing it. Whoa, go ahead, Rob. (laughs) Well, again, I think it could be applied in, you know, and, and, be accurate in, in any situation uh, where it comes back to when you're talking about people. I mean, people are, and then you'll hear this theme constantly, and I think you'll you'll, you'll start to see it more in the zeitgeist of, of trend topics, this idea that we are humans, we are emotionally driven, we are less rational than we like to believe we are. And I think that a, a quote like woe, or the word woe, reminds me of that Humanity of the fact that we're not dealing with routines and subroutines and you know in typical software. We're dealing with human beings, and as such, um, things can happen in these self-organizing groups that will shock people, will astonish people, will will get people to say whoa or whoa or whoa. <laughs> in other words, stop what you're doing, right? Because whoa can mean stop. Actually, the etymology of the world that's is true. Stop. It starts. That's the Hundreds. Right. right. So I think that. You know, that's how I sort of related back. That's how, you know, the reason why it's a little more inspirational to me. Uh, Forget about the simplicity and elegance, but, you know, with a lot of potential meaning. It really reminds me that when we're dealing with organizational, uh, um, you know, companies, uh, organizations with the companies, we're dealing with people and we're not dealing with AI. This is why I think that there's going to be this interesting future blend. Of what machines can do and what humans can do, I don't think there's a full replacement. I know that some some people on you know talk about how computers are going to or AI is going to sort of take over uh, labor and I, I don't really believe that. Um, so anyways this, this is that's how I relate you know, that quote back to Thank
1: you, you very know, much and you yeah. you did relate the etymology back to was it was originally used I think to stop a horse. whoa. Bessie, they used to call it. Whoa. And now it's whoa. I love the surprise and delight in that comment. And we'll be talking about that more. Rob, welcome. And thank you so much for joining us. Now let's go to our second panelist, returning gentleman, Kai Girlish. And Kai has sent us a quote. I don't think we've ever had a quote from Groucho Marx before on Game Changers, Kai. In seven years and probably 1,400 shows, I don't think we've ever. So, Groucho Marx, those of you who are too young to remember, Full name, Julius Henry Groucho Marx. Groucho was his nickname. 1890 to 1977, American comedian, writer, stage, film, radio, and TV star. He was the master of quick wit, and considered one of America's greatest and most gifted comedians. He made 13 feature films with his siblings. You all know the Marx Brothers. He was the third born. He also had a game show, and he wore very thick glasses. He smoked a cigar, and he had a thick grease paint mustache and heavy eyebrows. And you may have seen something called Groucho glasses. Those are after Groucho Marx. So, Bonnie, get to the quote already. Here we go. A black cat crossing your path, signifies that the animal is going somewhere. Well, that's interesting. Kai, how have you been?
3: Yes, wonderful. Thank you. And I love Roger Marx. I love all the Marx brothers, actually. I uh, read a lot of his his letters to famous people and uh, at a certain time of my life, I even tried to be as funny as he was. Of course, I failed a little bit because this is really an art that not not many can reach, but uh, I was really inspired, like Roger Marks, I must say. I,
1: I am really surprised. I didn't know that his reach extended over to Europe, and I'm, I'm very pleased to hear that. He a, was a really funny guy, and there are certain mannerisms and gestures with the cigar looking through the, you know, hello, yeah. or the, something about the voice. Anyway, I love the quote, but I have no idea how it relates to our topic. Could you help me out, please, Kai?
3: Yeah, it's basically a surprise. It's, it's a reframing. We usually think um, um, self-organizing teams is uh, what it is. You know, yeah, the teams are now self-organizing. And then actually it's about something else. So, so um, you know, the self-organization has a certain thing in mind, but we usually treat it from the classical industrialization. And what we think now is that, so it's the same. It's like classical industrialization is about hierarchies, about efficiency and making no mistakes. And we think that self-organization basically means the same industrialization pattern, but it doesn't. It's something completely different. So our work will not just be self-organization, but uh, in overall it will be something totally different. And uh, so this, this quote somehow fits uh, because uh, it, it's um, against our, of our expectations.
1: Interesting. And, and Kai, I have to tell my listeners that my guests don't get together in a room and say, okay, Kai, you take this quote, and okay, Rob, you take this, and okay, Oopin. They pick the quotes on their own, and we've already related the first two quotes. Whoa, a black cat crossing your path signifies the animals going somewhere. I actually like the way those two work together. So we should say, Keanu Reeves, me groucho, Marks. I'm sorry. This is too good. (laughs) Thank you, Kai. Kai, a question. Are a lot of companies already adopting this concept of the SW? I'm sorry, SDWT self-directed work team. Is this new? Is this breaking news, or is this going on already?
3: I think it's not new because uh, in arts or in, in the business Rob is in, it's, it's known for quite a while that self-organization is much, much faster and much creative, more creative than anything else. But in in classical industries, it's still the old hierarchies. And uh, I think that companies are playing around with it, but adapting, I wouldn't say so. It's still talk about, talk with companies about the the goals, the KPIs, and you see that it's still uh, very hierarchical.
1: Yeah, maybe they're afraid to give people too much freedom, even though this business week that Jim uh, Jim Cody quoted in the opening quote I started the show with, says that there's a 30 to 50% increase in productivity. So it must be happening mm-hmm. somewhere, but I've, I've never heard of it. We'll be talking to you more. Thank you, Kai. And now let's go to our third panelist, the sponsor of this series, Upen Barbet. And Upen has sent us a quote from Walt Disney, one, two, three, four, five, eight, nine little words that pack a punch. And Walt Disney, I think everybody knows, but you may not know his history. He started out taking art classes as a young boy and became a commercial illustrator at age 18. In the 1920s, he moved to California and set up the Disney Brothers Studio with his brother Roy. They co-developed with UBL Works, I don't know what that is, the character Mickey Mouse, and he provided the voice for his creation in the early years. He went on to be the producer of Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, Pinocchio, Fantasia, Dumbo, Bambi. I remember as a child seeing many of those movies. And he started the idea for Disney World, which was supposed to be a new type of city, and I didn't know what Epcot means. It's Experimental Prototype Community of Tomorrow, E-P-C-O-T. He passed away in 1966 before he could see it built, but there we are. Here's the quote. If you can dream it, you can do it. Upin, how are you?
4: Bonnie, thank you. Delighted to be on the show and hear you again.
1: Thank you. Tell me about the quote. I love the quote. What are we dreaming? What are we doing in terms of future of work? What do you see?
4: I think it's it's about the power of imagination, and not only uh, you know something, some decisions that you have to do based on the evolution of needs. Um, I'm I'm very inspired by this. I think all all of us are. Um, you you put it into words. You build a strong narrative, and you onboard more people. Um, you know on those ideas. You build those ideas further uh, based on the framework in which you operate, and. Um, and, and take people along, because that uh, any transformation without people is an incomplete one.
1: Very true. Tell me something. I asked Kai the same question. Upin, are a lot of companies doing these self-directing or self-organizing teams, or do you think it's, is it here yet, is it real, or is it still the dream?
4: Well, it's, it's, it's there somewhere as part of uh, uh, CHRO's and CBO's agenda, I haven't seen a particular evidence to be proud of at the moment, you know, and and I don't know if obviously all all the uh things going around, but people are experimenting, uh, but I'm not sure we can say, Okay, this one has cracked it. Now, like I mentioned, um, you know, in the entertainment world, you know, uh, you know, these these um Working styles of really coming together as a community of tribe uh, for a single project uh, purpose or something, and then um, uh, going going back to you know wherever you uh, let's say let's say belong uh, has been very popular. Uh, you know when you when you assemble uh, the crew for a cinema, your production unit, you know they're not reporting into each other. They're hired because of their skills, um, and they all dedicatedly work on a movie project, and then, uh, you know, um, either go back with their freelancing or their own companies or, uh, you know, act in the organizations where they um, actually belong in terms of headcount. Now, in corporate world, corporate world, I'm talking about also all, all these large companies going through massive digital transformations at the moment. Um, this isn't true. It's an idea that people want to try out, uh, but I guess, um, yeah, there is a lot of work to be done because this will be, the, uh, you know, um, this will be something that we'll have to uh, allow and, and make room for from a management
2: perspective.
1: Thank you, Upin. I have a question for you. When we talk about dreaming, it is this something that a lot of employees might say, oh, I dream of the day when I come to work and my manager is not breathing down my neck. Oh, I dream of the day when I don't have to submit weekly reports. Oh, I dream of the day when I can work with a group of high-energy, like-minded people and we can get the work done and proudly say to management, look at what we accomplished and you didn't have to quote-unquote babysit us. Do you think that the dr- that's how the dream applies to this concept we're talking about today?
4: In? <laughs> well, interesting way to put it, but <laughs> yes. not my my meaning of um, uh, dreaming um, here was uh, much on the bigger, much on the bigger level. It was about about conceptualizing your future, um, and then you know evaluate strategies in which you want to uh, choose um, the, the desirable futures and work for it.
1: Thank you very much. But Let me I go back.
4: Yeah. Employees going together, going up, and say. Yeah.
1: Well, if we think about. Point, consult- maybe
4: you're right. I mean, a lot of employees when when yeah. they see that okay, I drew. Uh, Bonnie, go ahead. There was a little uh, disturbance in the line
1: yeah I know where we're I think we have a little bit of a delay and an overlap here. I was just gonna say if you think about consultants, people who don't live at the company who are paid to do a job or a gig economy, nobody tells them how to organize their time or when to show up. It's just here's the job, spec it, price it, tell us when you're going to deliver it. It meets our deadlines good you're you're engaged, not hired, and you'll get it done so in a sense self directing work teams of one. Have probably been around for a long, long time. I'm just reflecting on that. Open, let me let me run around the table to Rob and get Rob's thoughts on this. Rob, what what what's your thought?
2: Well, uh, I mean, I I agree with a, a lot of what Open is saying, and my my general thought is, and being from and having you know a considerable amount of time spent and experience in the entertainment industry, um, and I really haven't thought about this perspective in this exact way, but. Um is correct. We come together, especially when you're building a film production, you come together for highly specialized roles. And these roles will organize itself within a loose hierarchy. Obviously, you have the directors, you know, the producers, et cetera, around a loose hierarchy. But the, everyone knows their roles and they self-direct themselves according to a common goal. And I think that that's going to be key. And I think if we can take that, and, and take some learning mm-hmm. from that and sort of apply it in more you know in other industries and industries that don't have you know necessarily visually creative outcomes I think it could be an interesting you know way to move you know to move towards um, i you know thinking about this this topic I really haven't thought about in depth <laughs> up until started to you know prepare for, for what we're going to be talking about today and I think that there are a lot of analogs out there that, you know, corporations, particularly large corporations can draw from. But I think, that, I think it needs to be tempered. I think if you, if you look at what self-organizing is at its, sort of at its, you know, highest point was this concept or, you know, of holacracy, this way of organizing the company. I think, I can't remember who invented it or who was the, you know, the, uh, the, Sort of the evangelist of it, but Tony Shea from Zappos kind of mm-hmm. implemented it, and I think that it's probably, it's well well known publicly that it really hasn 't worked, and you know probably you know I have a lot of ideas about why it didn 't work sort of the utopian ideal of a holocracy maybe just won 't work in practical you know in a practical implementation um, but those are you know sort of my overall thoughts is I think that you know as you mentioned the consultancy, I do that now I was mm-hmm. fortunate enough to be able to exit from a couple of businesses, so I have a lot of versatility in what i spend my time on. And I think I'm much more effective as an individual that can bring together specialized teams to achieve certain tasks and to achieve certain goals. And I think that there's probably, uh, you know, a finite uh, finite number of people that have to be on that team in Mm -hmm. order for self direction to sort of occur. Otherwise you have a little bit of mass pandemonium, a little bit of chaos, Um, unless you're really tight and and you really understand it. Um, Those are my sort of armchair thoughts.
1: Thank you, Rob. Well, I'm looking for you to stay in your armchair for another minute because this is the part of the show where we go around and ask, where are you calling from, what's in your cup today, or just what's your favorite drink in the whole wide world, and why don't you just tell us a 60-second overview of what you do at 19 Entertainment. So, Rob, Sebastian, we just want to get to know you a little bit better. Go ahead, please.
2: All right. Uh, well, uh, again, I'm Rob, and uh, I am calling you from sunny and hot Southern California, uh, specifically from Santa Barbara. Um, our offices, 19 offices, are in London and West Hollywood, California. Uh, what, yeah, do what do you love to drink? Is, mm-hmm. What do I love to drink? Uh, yes. I love to drink a lot of things, Bonnie. we um, cold and sweet. So I think I'm going to make this a little interactive. Or maybe the listeners can play along but It's it's a quick thing um, I'm gonna give you three hints about what my favorite drink is Uh-oh. And then maybe Upen or Kai can or, or you can can chime in so um, there are three hints uh, it's sweet it's not from America and it looks like frog spawn looks like frogs what <laughs> Fro- frog spawn and if you, I, I know if a, uh, listeners out there, if you don't know what that is, you're probably looking it up online, and then you'll probably get it right away. Um, so I won't – does anybody have a guess? Sweet, I cold, could, not for America, looks like frog spawn. No idea. No idea.
1: I've <laughs> well, I've Googled all of those words, and absolutely nothing came up except pictures of pr- pretty little frog spawn. And, uh, <laughs> yes, no, not, nothing is coming up at all. I get Pinot the baby deer. Uh, okay. Uh, okay. Okay. No. More,
3: no, uh, no. No. Problem. Yeah. Well, the chia chia seeds look like this. The the the, the Chinese stuff. It's very it's close, and you're in the right
2: region. Yeah. <laughs> Open. Do you have a guess? If not, I'll go right into this the story about it. Go ahead. Bye. Oh. Go ahead. Anyway, go I'm ahead, Bob. So I don't mean I don't mean to put you on the spot. So like you know I'm from Hawaii, uh, and you know uh, there's. Uh, it's a melting plot for Asian, you know, diversity. And I'm not going to age myself, but there was a situation where I was invited to a friend's house um, for, to go out to dinner to a local restaurant. It was a hot day. It was humid. We had just finished surfing. You can imagine how thirsty we were. Um, and my friend, English is the second language for my friend's aunt. And uh, we went to this Chinese restaurant and the server also didn't speak English. And she looked so the aunt looks at me and says, what would you like to drink? I mean, and I'm not going to, uh, <coughs> try and do the accent here. Cause I think it'll be somewhat offensive, even though I am Asian. Um, and she asks me if I like milk. So I say, yes. So she asks me if I like sweet things and I say, yes. And then she asks me if I like balls and I'm like, what <laughs> can you come again with that? She says it again. Um, and I think that, um, Finally, I figure out what it is, and my friend reads on the menu that it is actually tapioca. So my favorite, oh, favorite beverage is...
1: Very Walmart. interesting. I like tapioca as a pudding. I used to make it, but right now I'm off sugar, so it's uh, it's something I don't make. A tapioca tapioca ball drink. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, b- bubble tea. Yeah. Is this what we're talking about? Bubble tea?
2: it's called bubble tea or you know that that's the sort of americanizing you know anglified version of it but it's it's boba it's the boba tea and this was a long time ago before it became popular here and you know the, the biggest part and i think that this is kind of a a lesson in ingenuity to try and figure out and maybe maybe if there was a self directing work team they would fi- they would have figured this out Uh, But back in the day, those uh, drinks came with these bendy straws, right? The the standard bendy straws that accordion out and you can bend it. And I went to take my first sip of boba. And if you ever had the bubble tea or the boba tea, you know that those balls will shoot right up into the straw now. Yes, But back then, they were standardized openings. So I remember sucking and sucking and sucking, creating this huge vacuum in my cheeks. And because... No one figured out that the tapioca balls yes. were too big for the bottom of the straw.
3: There was no such thing <laughs> as a
2: fat straw back then. And so at the end of the day, someone finally figured out, hey, now they'll, and they innovated on the straw, which you think, well, how much innovation could really come from a straw? They actually created these big, fat straws. You know, I remember. He did the one with the little scoop. Uh, you know, the little scoop. Yeah. Like there's like a spoon straw, but the fast straws are exactly the <clears throat> circumference to be able to actually suck up those balls of well, tapioca.
1: Thank you for the pictorial anyway. bubble tea. And I would just yeah. want to know, sixty <laughs> seconds. What do you do at nineteen Entertainment besides drink bubble tea from a big straw? <laughs>
2: Um, I uh, I direct teams. No, um, I tell people what to do. I, I'm the managing partner there. I'm uh, partners with Simon Fuller, and um, my job and my role is to help the brands, the you know intellectual, the entertainment intellectual property that we create and that Simon creates, and make them popular. And so I would say that in marketing. Building the marketing teams, doing the social media, doing the sponsorship, uh, partnerships, um, all the digital uh, performance marketing uh, all falls uh, within my group.
1: Thank you. And just if anybody is unfamiliar with 19 Entertainment, they manage uh, Jerry Halliwell, Annie Lennox, Victoria Beckham, David Beckham, uh, Andy Murray, Stephen Tyler, Carrie Underwood, David Cook, the Spice Girls, Lisa Marie Presley, on and on and on. And they're in partnership with J-Lo and Mark Anthony for their 2012 Key Le- Key Viva production. Thank you very much. Let's move on to Kai Girlish. Kai, we've had quite a, an interesting time getting to know Rob, so I want to catch up with you. Where are you today? What do you love to drink? And what are you doing at the Innovation Center Network? Kai?
3: Yeah, I'm calling from Potsdam, which is near Berlin. So that's at least Berlin should be should be known in the earth as well Uh, as we, you know, the free part of Berlin historically um, was saved by the American uh, airplanes there. And uh, um, what, yeah, my favorite drink is actually my coffee in the morning. I try to get rid of that, of that coffee habit. But uh, then I learned that, that actually it gives me a lot of not only pleasure, but uh, gratefulness in the morning that, that I can basically brew my own coffee. Just one coffee is enough with my mm-hmm. own taste. So I, I have, my, I, I mill the coffee by myself, you know, handmade everything. So that's my ritual in the morning. And uh, I'm, yeah, I'm the futurist in, in ICN, so I basically try to find out what's ahead of us, what's, uh, what kind of trends do we see out there, and what kind of future we will probably live in. And uh, in the last month, I, I turned it around not uh, to, to think much about the future we will live in, but we, how to create the future we want to live in, because that's a much nicer thinking.
1: Thank you. I like that very much. And Barve, we didn't forget about you. Where are you? What's your favorite drink and what are you up to?
4: (laughs) Hey, I'm just back from an amazing vacation in Iceland. I'm back to Berlin, which is my base. I'm right now speaking to you from uh, my home office. And, uh, yeah, just kind of getting used to being back in uh, Berlin or seeing a lot of people. And what's (laughs) your drink? i Ice, my God, this is, this is um, mesmerizing, uh, impact that I still have from Iceland. So I'm, I, I'm, you know, I'm time-traveled a little bit at the moment. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a country that's electrifying and calming at the same time. And um, I guess you, you know what I mean when lava meets ice, right? It feels different. Yes. <laughs> and uh, my favorite drink, actually, I have um, an amazing uh, summer cooler. It's very hot here, 31 degrees at the moment in centigrade. And I have a nice summer cooler. It's with uh, mint and ginger and uh, lime uh, with soda water. And it's absolutely quenching. So at the moment, that's my favorite drink.
1: It sounds wonderful thank you very much it doesn't matter what kind of straw you have with that one we're going to take a quick break but I will tell you all uh, open and Kai know this Rob you don't know me they don't let me anywhere near caffeine on radio show days and I just did a show an hour ago so (laughs) I'm relegated to cool clear water in a cool clear mug looking out here in my garden in beautiful Durham North Carolina where I moved 10 months ago we are here right now talking about the future of work with game changers with three very interesting gentlemen Rob Sebastian at 19 Entertainment, Kai Gerlisch and Upen Barve at SAP. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. We're going to take a quick break, about two minutes. We'll be right back. So don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. Erin out.
0: business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network the pace and dimensions of digitalization are moving faster than ever and the future of companies will be defined by how quickly business leaders adapt to pressures to become thought leaders The definition of future success is being shaped by factors as diverse as insights from employment and organizational trends, the new global pool of distributed skilled talent, resource scarcity, and business networks and supply chains. Join our experts as they analyze and discuss how business leaders can shape the future of work and the future of change. The Future of Work is presented by SAP. Visit SAP.com. Plus, topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA PressPass by Voice America. All access, all the time. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Listening to the future of work with Game Changers presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to the future of work with Game Changers.
1: Yes, indeed. The future of work. We're speaking today with Rob Sebastian at 19. That's XIX. Do your homework on Roman numerals. Kids, 19 Entertainment, Kai Gerlisch and Upen Barve at SAP. We're talking about the future of work, specifically something new that may be a new concept, but wishful thinking might get your company there. SDWT. More alphabet soup could be a self-directed work team, employees in a company combining their skills and talents to work without the usual managerial supervision toward a common purpose or a goal, and rumor has it they can be 30 to 50% more productive. It can impact customer loyalty, customer management, and even the functionality of the business ecosystem. Oh, can we only be happy wishing for that much? Sounds great. Rob Sebastian's going to start off the roundtable, and here's what he told me before the show. We'll go around quickly. He says the future of work is heavily reliant on a single factor, relationships. Rob, talk to me.
2: Well, I mean, I think people a lot of times, and I've been both at Fortune 100 companies and very small, you know, entrepreneurial startups, and I, I think that um, when people cross the threshold of um, of the office, they they view things from a different perspective and you know there's a personal life and there's a professional life and I think with the new generation of of workers you're starting to see that that sort of blur and blend and this is sort of the whole premise of what we're talking about today which is this concept of you know self-organized teams that sort of almost you know achieve things sort of in an organic way Uh, again and again I'm oversimplifying and I think a lot of people sort of potentially nod their heads in, in agreement but Relationships to me have been is and always will be the single most important factor to a business success and I would even go to you know someone's own social happiness their own happiness. Most companies will view these relationships differently depending on what or who they're relating to and we'll just talk specifically about how a company views its employees so I have a good friend of mine who is a uh, 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 um, CHRO. And, you know, she, I see her how she relates outside of work and how she relates inside of work. And to me, there shouldn't be a fundamental difference. I mean, people are people. We uh, have the same sort of emotional construct. And companies don't tend to listen and interact in the same way. And I think that if you were to strive, and let's say the common goal was to achieve you know, employee satisfaction or loyalty, it would be the same type of process I would go through when I create loyalty programs for brands. And it's the idea that you have to, you know, build upon relationships in a a lot of different ways. You know, there has to be reciprocity. There has to be this idea that you listen to to what they want. You have to be able to, you know, put together a structure that allows people to safely interact. And all of those sort of relationship building tools, and again, at IO site will probably be much better at, you know, creating something like this, but this is all anecdotal observation. Um, And I think those emotional interactions will start to build strong, transparent, and long-lasting relationships. So I would ask, why would you treat a customer differently than you treat an employee? So many times Mm -hmm. I've seen companies go out and, you know, they're not reciprocal. They're just sort of like, you know, they're almost like demanding or prescribing loyalty. Loyalty isn't demanded, prescribed, or necessarily designed for. Loyalty is something that just happens. (laughs) <laughs> uh, you know, through through interactions, through feeling, through things that are sort of undefinable, uh, people are just loyal. And um, and I think that you're starting to see that with, you know, especially tech companies, they see to be sort of on the forefront of that, of creating this sort of culture that people want to participate in to being successful at uh, defining what their purpose is. And I think once that is established, That's a natural hierarchy. And what ends up happening, you know, and I've seen it happen, is that these teams start to feel better. (laughs) They start to feel, um, you know, uh, acknowledged. It's not this, you know, carrot and stick, you know, reward system. It's not this uh, command and control hierarchy. It's more collaborative. And that may sound, you know, extremely kumbaya, but um, I think that companies should do more. I think companies should do more and more. Uh, I think, with the I
1: think idea. that's the goal. That's the goal, Rob. I yes. want to pause here and give a chance for Kai and Upen to chime in. Kai, thoughts on what Rob just shared?
0: Yeah,
3: I think it's it's uh, in general. I I fully agree that uh, that we are walking that path already. But I think it's um, if if you look to to Rob's industry or the the, the 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 part of the business he's coming from, I think that's that's more known for, for quite a decade uh, if you see how the big film studios are run and how artists basically relate to each other. But I think that classical companies struggle a lot to allow this free-floating network operate on their, on their own. So they still try to control. They try to control holidays, to control goals. To, they don't trust their, their employees that they do something good because basically in the past what we did was repetitive tasks and error-free trust most of the time the classical industrialization. And now we are you can buy this off the shelf and we are into something else. So my mantra is that basically all of the classical industrialized companies have to learn to play jazz. You know, they have to be experts in what they do and to act in flexible teams without much hierarchies. And that's, that's the problem because uh, and, and I'm not so sure... If if that is not a inbuilt uh, I don't know um, pattern in in humans that we ultimately go for hierarchies and only a minority uh, won't go for for will go for the free kind of working style and uh, actually it's it's a little bit difficult to for, for most people to appreciate this this liberty this freedom to do what they what they can do it, it makes them afraid you know and. Uh, um, because we're not used to it. But I, personally, I when I found out that there was much space, you know, much, much room to do this, life uh, or professional life got so more exciting and more fun than anything else. So I highly recommend everybody to, to try it out. It's uh, you know, there's, The risk is usually not very big to do it.
1: Thank you very much, Kai. You know, Upin, love to get Bonnie, your yes. thoughts. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Rob,
3: sorry. I just want to say one thing. Uh,
2: what Kai was saying. I mean, he just pointed out a few things that sort of punctuate this idea of relationship. He said that big companies don't trust employees. And I think that goes vice versa. I think, I think employees don't trust their companies. I think there's a lack of transparency, etc. And he said, also used the yeah. word afraid of, i.e. fear. I mean, you, you know, in our own lives, think about anything that has fear and distrust in it. Does that form the basis of a relationship? I mean, just, just those two uh, characteristics alone is fundamentally flawed. <laughs> right. Thank
1: you. Um, that anyway, that's that my some, only point. some worry and some thoughts in there. No, I appreciate it. I just want to go around the table before we open it up, but we already have. Oopin, love to get your thoughts, please. Okay, so what we're going to do yep. is, hi, I'm going to look at your notes. I love the way you brought in that comment about we all better learn to play jazz. Um, here, Here's an mm-hmm. interesting concept, Kai. You say we have a quasi-religious relationship with work. We think we need factories as we need temples and churches. If that's not provocative, I don't know what is. Kai, talk to me. How does this relate to it?
3: Yeah, I, thought, I hope you would love it. Yes, I, I started to thinking about it. Why do we still, you know, uh, hop in our cars and go to the office? Uh, why, why do we have, still have factories? Or why do we still mask ourselves in certain locations? And I think that in, in most of, in many cases, there is no need to still travel to, um, travel to the bureau or to the office. Uh, I think, first of all, just without a need. I mean, if you want to network and you do it because you want to relate to other people and co work and network, that's fine. But uh, in most cases, it's just a, a habit. It's like, and we are so, so busy with thinking that going somewhere and work is the stuff that we need to do we We forget that this is a concept. I mean, you can basically stay home and work uh, nowadays in digitization or do something else. And uh, even if, if this might not be true for all the manufacturing jobs, the the idea of of going to a factory to to or to to a big office, a governmental office or whatever, is really uh, from the past. Um, but this is the classical industrialization. we, we all grew up more or less. And we, this concept is getting so big that we have a quasi-religious cr- idea of work. You have to have work, which, which equals you have to, you know, in the morning, go up with a car, go to the work, and come back in, in the evening. And if you work differently as an artist or as, as a free thinker, or I don't know what, people look to you rather suspiciously. And uh, I think this is, we forget this. This is a concept 150 years old. We can come up with a new concept but we all struggle because our society is based on that belief system
1: thank you very much I know we just got open back he was dropped open I was just asking Kai about his statement he says we have a quasi religious relationship with work we think we need factories like we need temples and churches can you comment on that please open
4: <laughs> well, that's, thats Rob kind of statement. no I think <laughs> uh, I, I was I was uh uh, thinking, uh, you know, we do not need to industrialize everything. Uh, that's, uh, that, that's, that's right. Uh, when we look at where we will get, you know, wh- what do those connections really mean? You know, what does it mean to be uh, digitally connected? That's, that's a simple new funda- fundamental, uh, let's say, <clears throat> ground that's forming up right now. So once everything is digitally connected, we, 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 we come back and say, all right, hang on. these historical barriers. I would I would call them right the the, the premises of factories or um, other things those barriers which came in typically from analog world they they will not exist they will be challenged uh, or ignored if if you know they are not lowered and that's when uh, when you and I and um, and our company and our I don't know social uh, um, social ecosystem will start. Uh, working as peers, on the as, as nodes of the same network, right? That's where we are heading, which means we will need to create those environments as, as the people taking, in a, you know, influencing decisions in the large companies. We will need to enable those decisions so that we do not get stuck between those isolated systems of records, but rather, um, you know, uh, rather have more exchanging, more, more circular systems that will allow sharing... Um, Sharing of resources, um, saving of resources, uh, building on each other's, uh, you know, and, and also having, uh, you know, thereby have more transparency um, in, in, in the truly global system.
1: Interesting, Open. I just want to explore this a little more because we're almost at our crystal ball predictions round. But what would be the reaction to people who were in HR for many years? I'm not talking about a particular age, what we call a demographic cohort. You know, the people have been around for 15, 20 years. If anybody's still working in the same company that long, I know we have some at SAP. But the question is, how are they going to respond to this? What? We have a team that we're going to be allowing to figure it out for themselves. And they'll go off in a corner and they'll come back and say look at all this great work we've done Uh, Rob just brought up the question of do companies trust their employees do employees trust their companies what's your thought on that level of trust that's needed because it has to be a top down decision Upan, can you expand on that just for about two and a half minutes before we go to our predictions
4: Bonnie trust is the absolute um, human currency as we say and as our CEO says as well I totally believe in that now you brought an interesting point. How does HR uh, world react to this? I mean, mm-hmm. finally, look at this. The, the, you know, HR is human resources, and I think HR is an oxymoron. We have to treat humans as humans and not resources, right, and treat mm-hmm. resources as resources. So yes. I think this will be a point of enrichment for uh, my colleagues in HR because finally we'll, you know, all these uh, advancements with AI applied to the enterprises and so on will allow them to function for humans and not for processes. Uh, At the moment, we have a scalability issue. HR is not an organization where, uh, you know, you have tons of headcounts in any organization, right? Um, Mm -hmm. So how do you you make sure that, uh, you know, the supply or let's say the services provided from the HR side uh, will be more qualitative, right? It is because, you know, the AI and so world will sort of help us with the processes, a lot of automatic, uh, lot of tasks which are mundane, repetitive, can be taken over, and that will help HR function more from a human perspective. Get back to the human side, and, and the approaches that you will need to build for one team, one self-directed team in a certain context is going to be slightly different than another self-directed team uh, operating in another geography, in another context. Right. So I think this is time and an opportunity for our colleagues in HR to be uh, more more creative. Yeah. Uh, it will be based on trust. It will be based on empathy. And like Rob said, not only empathy for the customers, but uh, it will be also for um, you know your own employees. This is, this is where, and all this, why, why do you do all this? Why, why will all this help? This is, is a direct impact on your customer engagement. And that's, uh, I think, the mutual value metrics, as we say.
1: Thank you Upen. Very interesting. By the way, every time we call you back, your line gets better and better and clearer and clearer. So you sound <laughs> great right now. And we have not we have uh, 6 minutes left till the end of the show. So I'm going to circle around to Rob Sebastian at 19 Entertainment. Rob, it's certainly been an interesting conversation between you and Kai Gerlich and and Upen Barve and I want to know if you look into the crystal ball and I can give you just 60 seconds, Rob. That's all I have for each of you, please. Give you 60 seconds. Let's look forward to 2025 because 2020 is too soon it's almost here you start planning for new year's eve already for now for 2020 2025 what do you think will happen in the future of work rob sebastian 60 seconds go Uh, i think
2: uh, by 2025 i think internal branding will be more important than consumer branding and at this this speaks to exactly what Upen just said. I think for workforce engagement, for recruitment, for retention, I think HR is the most underutilized and uh, underfunded areas. Um, but everyone, CEOs always talk about, you know, we people are what we're, is why we're valuable. And or, uh, it doesn't make sense. It, it, I think HR should be funded more. So my, my quick, you know, peeking the crystal ball, I think would be that internal branding, will be more important than consumer branding. If you cannot get your own employees, of which you pay, to believe in your brand, service, product, software, whatever it is, it doesn't matter what the consumers think because the consumer should be, your first customer should be your own employee. Um, Thank you very much. That was very –
1: profound and provocative yeah, yeah. i have to move on cuz we're almost out of time yep. kai girlish i have 60 seconds for you what's your prediction please 2025
3: i think that in 2025 at least 30% of uh, the employees won't be employees of a company but certain kind kind of tribal idea or yeah tribal ideas so they work they work for many companies in parallel um Probably they are organized in guilds like we had in the middle age that, you know, we will have the guilds of creative people or of business consultants. Um, and you can see these, these patterns emerging already. So companies will rely heavily on loyal, uh, on a loyal tribe of their professionals that move from company to company and, and work in, in these free-forming networks.
1: Thank you, Loyal Tribe. I like that very much. We have to talk about tribes from time to time. We talk about work. Appreciate it. And open Barve, I saved 60 seconds for you. Actually, you can have 90 seconds. Go ahead.
4: Upin? Hey, can you hear me now, Bonnie? We
1: can. Yes, go ahead. We're ready for you. 90 seconds. Right, Give me your prediction.
4: Dude, I was very happy with the 90 seconds. <laughs> um, <laughs> you got it. I would like to share. Number one, <laughs> number one, the values. So, the, uh, so, so the, there will be a big difference. The values that have driven the world so far uh, will be completely people-centric. More, they, they've started to become more and more. But we'll see 2025. Uh, those values will be people-centric values. And that will mean both on the um, uh, external and internal world, which is the employees' um, contractors' ecosystem plus the customers'. um, The second one um, is is really on the... Uh, on the customer engagement perspective, here I find there will be a very very thin line uh, as as we look at these um, um, increasingly porous networks or I, I wouldn't even say porous I mean the networks that are basically overlapping with each other will we will have to respect start respecting the change of roles of um, you know uh, as a, as a customer to a contributor and contributor back to a customer. You might see that entire exchange in a single day uh, from a single, let's say, customer and a contributor to your value as a company. Number three, uh, this will be about finally we will be able to get what I call as value from the network of networks. Right? So we, 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 we are very good in identifying a network and having a one-to-one relationship with a certain network. Right? What I'm talking about is, is a really evolution of that. And okay, value of the value from the network of networks on a single instance, I think we'll start seeing that, so those were my three things.
1: Thank you very much. Thank you to all three of you. Very interesting conversation here on the future of work with Game Changers. I want to say a thank you to Rob Sebastian at 19 Entertainment, Kai Girlish at SAP, and Upen Barve at Upen at SAP. There you go, it's your company now. Uh, one, one second, Upen, what's the next topic in a couple of weeks? You're back on the air with me. Any, do you have any idea what your topic's going to be?
4: <laughs> I got inspired by uh, Rob uh, earlier today. Uh, So it's going to be war. It's going to be something very inspiring and surprising.
1: Okay, let's be inspired and surprised. So I want to thank the three of you, and I have my call to action, and here we go. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? And a quick shout-out to Aaron, our intrepid and venerable engineer at World Talk Radio, the Business Channel team. Let's do it again. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Where are you working? For whom are you working? How are you working? Do you trust the people with you? Do you trust management? Do you trust your colleagues and coworkers? It's time to elevate trust and transparency. But in the meantime... Go out and be a Game Changer today, just like Rob Sebastian, just like Kai Girlish, and just like Upen Barve. Bonnie D. Graham signing off. I'll be back tomorrow morning. Oh, let's see, 11 a.m. Eastern here on the Business Channel with another live episode of Coffee Break with Game Changers talking about social selling. Have a great day.
0: Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to The Future of Work with Game Changers, presented by SAP the best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham on Tuesdays on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.